On today's show, the fairness of quarterback criticism and what to make of Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Before we get there, I would love, absolutely love, to give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it brings me no pleasure to say this. I am betting Team Europe at plus 175 to hoist the Ryder Cup. Those of you who know me know that I am a red-blooded American male. I wake up in the mornings and eat my steak and drink my milk. And in the afternoon, I get in a fist fight at Texaco. And at night, I sleep with beautiful women. That's how I live my life every single day because that's how red-blooded of an American male I am. However, I'm not above making an emotional hedge. I will be rooting for Team USA But I see a lot of value in this particular number, plus 175. Team Europe has won nine of the last 12 Ryder Cups. All of these have followed a similar pattern. America, oh, they have the most talented team on paper. Look at all these great golfers. Well, no, they don't have any chemistry and they all probably hate one another, but they'll be fine. And then Team Europe shows up with supposedly an inferior roster, but infinitely more chemistry and stomps the United States into oblivion. This year's Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. It is already following a similar pattern. Whether the clown show of Brooks and Bryson and let's put down our arms and be friends for this week or Steve Stricker trying to find out who can pair with who and maybe nobody can pair with anybody while Team Europe is wandering around this Wisconsin-based crowd wearing cheese heads and handing out signed Packers hats. That's an incredible way to start your week if you're looking to get the crowd on your side. History is getting ready to repeat itself. And we have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Because red-blooded Americans love a nice wager to get their juices flowing. And true patriots, like myself, understand the value of an emotional hedge. And now, Sports with Chris Rawl. There is an incredible double standard in sports when it comes to comparing players who have won championships against players who have not. Different players who exhibit the same behaviors or play the same way, and they are discussed very differently depending on who is involved. It's a great passion project of mine to continually talk about these particular things. If you have won a lot, if you have won a lot we will shoehorn you into the narrative if your team continues to win regardless of how big of a role you are actually playing in the win itself, like you may or may not have in the past. A good example of this would be Kobe Bryant, a man with a bunch of championship rings in his back pocket at the time, shooting six for 24 in game seven of the 2010 NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics. However, his teammates saved the day, most notably Pau Gasol, the best player in the game, and Ron Artest, the player who hits the biggest shot of the game, a three-pointer with under a minute to go to kind of put the game on ice. So the Lakers win, and the narrative is partially because Kobe's involved, a man who has won championships in the past and played a large role in those. Oh, he just found a way to gut out a win. Oh, look at the perseverance. Look at how good this was. Ignoring the simple fact that he didn't play well in the game and he shot six for 24. Uh, And we have millions of examples of this throughout the history of any sport, whether it's Peyton Manning's second Super Bowl win, an example I've talked about a lot on this show, when he's the worst quarterback in football, literally the worst quarterback in football, and yet the Broncos' defense carries them to a Super Bowl, and this is the moment that the light bulb clicks on for fans and media that, oh, Peyton Manning now has a second Super Bowl. He must be a good quarterback. 
or Tom Brady at a lot of points throughout his career. Also a great quarterback. I'm not saying any of these people are not great in their own rights. However, the shoehorning of a team or an individual into a team effort is always strange to me when it comes to players that have won before. Tom Brady, I can cherry pick a million examples. I'll choose the two Ram Super Bowl wins, which the Patriots bookended all of their wins with. First and last Patriots Super Bowl victories in the Tom Brady era. Um, in those games, a lot of the narrative was Tom Brady, consummate winner, incredible player. Wow, look at him bring his team to victory. And it just ignores the simple fact that in those two games, the New England offense scored a combined two offensive touchdowns. Two. The story of each game was very obviously Bill Belichick and the defense. First shutting down the greatest show on turf. Tie law interception return in that game for a touchdown. And then the bookend, Bill Belichick and that defense shutting down Sean McVay and this new cutting-edge scheme that nobody knows how to stop. Oh, wait, they scored three points in that Super Bowl, and the Patriots scored 13, and that's why they won. Again, there's a million examples of this throughout the course of time. And this also includes emotional temperament. I'll stick with Tom Brady. When he chews out Bill O'Brien or his offensive line on the sidelines, it's because he's a winner. It's because he's a competitor. It's because that, that fire that burns so hot, that's what he utilizes to, to carry his team to victory. And if somebody does that that hasn't won, uh, let's choose Phil Rivers. When he chews his teammates out on the sidelines or his coach, it's because he's a petulant child. And that's one of the reasons why his team cannot win, because he's dragging him down with this emotional negativity. Again, great double standard that exists in sports. When comparing players who have won versus players who have not. Now, I was talking about quarterbacks for a specific reason. Because the double standard that exists at quarterback is probably greater than any position in any sport. Whether it's media, whether it's fans. The way we talk about this position is so framed by who has won and who has not that it's insane. Now, part of what ties into this. This double standard that exists at the quarterback position, how we evaluate it, how we talk about it, and how we criticize it, it's really hard for the football-watching public, whether media or fans, to get on board with non-traditional quarterbacks. Non-traditional in their play or non-traditional in their behavior. You know, the stereotypical quarterback of the past, they're tall, they're strong, they're immobile, they're the pocket passer, they just stand in there and zip it all over the field. That stereotype is less prevalent in present day than it has ever been. But with this transition occurring somewhat recently, I think certain quarterbacks are being judged simply because they're not that quarterback of the past. Peyton Manning. They're not Dan Marino. Or maybe because they haven't won a Super Bowl. Or worst case scenario... They're a combination of both of those things. They are not the non-traditional or they are not the traditional stereotype of the past at the position. And they have not won a Super Bowl. Okay? So when you're looking across the league in present day, there are quarterbacks who fit one of those two things. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. They're not the cut and dry standard quarterback position or positional quarterback of the past. They're non-traditional in how they play the position. They can carve you up in a traditional manner. All three of those players, they can do a lot of damage just sitting inside the pocket and picking you apart. However, the way they play is not traditional. 
There's the flair. There's the improvisation. There's the throwing angles from every which way. But we don't care about that. And actually, we kind of celebrate it with each of these because they all have one Super Bowl. They've all won, right? And so we can excuse a lot of this stuff in a way that makes sense in our minds and go, well, uh, yeah, they do it a little differently, but they've won. So we understand how this is valuable. It's probably the best way of putting it. We understand. When you look across the league, there are two quarterbacks in particular, both residing within the AFC North that I want to talk about for today's show that really kind of symbolize this realm, this realm of non-traditional quarterbacks who have not won Super Bowls that I think are criticized very unfairly because they check both of those boxes. They're constant topics of discussion. They are treated very differently by fans and by media, whether their teams win or worst case, when their team loses. Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens and Baker Mayfield of the Cleveland Browns. Now, I've chosen both of these two people because I enjoy watching them play football, first and foremost. They came into the league in the same year, and they followed a similar path in my football watching mind. How I watch football is framed by the college game first and foremost. I follow it very closely, so I always have a good grasp of who I like to watch and who I don't by the time their college careers are done. I don't know how they're good they're going to be in the NFL. I will never say that. Even front offices don't understand that. But by the time they get to the NFL, I already have a good grasp of who they are as players, and hopefully it will translate into the NFL game, but at the very least, I know I really enjoy watching these players play football. Lamar and Baker, two of the best college quarterbacks ever to play. Lamar, he spends three seasons with the Louisville Cardinal. In that time frame, he wins a Heisman Trophy and has an incredible uh, list of stats. Over 9,000 yards passing, 8.3 yards per attempt, 69 touchdowns through the air to 27 interceptions. He compounds that with his strength. What he does on the ground, 4,100 yards there, 50 touchdowns there. Nobody expects Louisville to win a national championship. They're not a football power. And Lamar really just kind of boosts them out of nowhere into the national limelight during his time. So it's not really held against him that Louisville doesn't win a national championship. They weren't expected to. Nobody thought they would. So we celebrate Lamar. Wow, this guy plays the position really uniquely. And he was really good at it at Louisville. Let's see what he can do in the NFL. Baker, at this very same time, is also in college. He spends four seasons. The first one with Texas Tech, the last three with Oklahoma. And he puts together one of the best careers that we have ever seen in the college game. Over 14,600 yards passing, 9.8 yards per attempt, 131 touchdowns to only 30 interceptions. One of my favorite players to ever watch play college football. Um, by the end of his Oklahoma career, however, a team that does have national championship expectations, there's a lot of disappointment surrounding the idea that the team, and Baker in particular, because he's the quarterback, did not win a national championship. Completely ignores the fact that they could have, uh, most notably with the 2017 team that was awesome. I maintain as good as any team in football that year. You go back and look at that offense. It is incredible, just littered with NFL talent. They lose an incredible heartbreaker 
in the playoff to Georgia. It's the best playoff game of the era. Goes to overtime. It's Oklahoma has a big lead. Then they blow it. Then it's back and forth in the fourth. Then it's going to overtime. All these crazy things go into it. They end up losing. Georgia ends up losing a heartbreaker in overtime of their own to Alabama in the national title game. But it ignores the fact that Oklahoma could have won with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. They didn't, but they were there. Something I'm always continually stressing. We don't necessarily have to see something happen in order to engage with the idea that it could. Okay? So both of these players enter the 2018 NFL draft. They are bookends in the first round. Baker Mayfield is drafted first overall by the Cleveland Browns. Lamar Jackson is drafted with the last selection of the first round by the Baltimore Ravens. I'm intrigued by both of these players and both of their situations. I don't really know how they're going to translate into the NFL at this time, but I'm excited to watch because, again, I I love watching both of these players play football, and I love that they are non-traditional quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, he loves to run. He can also throw very well. Baker, he loves to throw and run around the pocket, and he is incredibly non-traditional in what he brings to the table as far as emotion and leadership is concerned. Not necessarily what you see at the quarterback position. So now we arrive at a place where we start to examine their NFL careers. And I want to make a note when it comes to evaluating and criticizing the quarterback position. Uh, What I believe is a lack of fairness that comes with how we talk about quarterbacks. It's the number one position that I think is evaluated improperly. If your team loses, it's all your fault. If your team wins, it's all your glory. As always, the answer, it it lies in the middle of that. It's a team sport. I I don't need to continue preaching all the things that I'm normally preaching because you get the point. Uh, When Oklahoma loses against Georgia in overtime, does Baker play a little bit of a role in that? Yeah. Is there a million more things that go into that? Yes. So in their NFL careers, I'll start with Lamar. His team has had a very successful run with him under center. 31-8 and eight overall made the playoffs every single year. This is interesting to note real quick. Because the standard way that quarterbacks are usually judged, something that I do not agree with, is win-loss record. So just by that metric, you would think a lot of people would be into Lamar Jackson's career so far. Winning almost four games to every loss through three-plus seasons as starter. Has not been the case for various reasons. Some of those that I will get into. Lamar wins the MVP in 2019. MVP of the entire league. He's the most modernized version of a quarterback we've ever seen succeed in the NFL. Equal parts running and passing. The rushing, it's truly breathtaking. He is one of the most electric runners in football, regardless of position. Pick who you want. McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. I I don't really care. Like Lamar is in that same vein as a runner, which is shocking because he plays quarterback. And you also have to respect his ability to throw. So I mentioned throwing because that is an area where a lot of criticism hovers around Lamar. You can't be a drop back passer when your team needs to just drop back and throw. You're incapable of doing that. Criticism that has some merit, but not to that extent. Uh, is Lamar the very best drop back passer in football? No. 
Can Lamar be a successful dropback passer? Yes, in the right situation, a situation that I don't necessarily think the Ravens have in place for him. In Lamar's career, he's played in four playoff games, three of those losses. In those games, 225 yards per game passing, 6.6 yards per attempt, three touchdowns to five interceptions. On the ground, an additional 91 yards per game and one additional touchdown. Not fantastic stats. Does Lamar bear the burden of some of these losses? Yes, and he should. Is it anywhere near where people think, where they talk about Lamar and go, Baltimore just can't win in the playoffs if Lamar is their quarterback? Absolutely not. That's where I think the evaluation and criticism of quarterbacks, specifically Lamar, starts to get very, very, very wonky. Because I always start at a baseline when I am talking about quarterbacks. Do I think in a normal situation, a good situation, you can win with this quarterback? Lamar? Absolutely you can. I think a lot of criticism about him in particular is tied into the non-traditional way he plays the position. Again, the idea that we can't believe something until we see it win at the very highest level. Because Lamar has not won a Super Bowl means that the way he plays cannot succeed. You know, he, you can't beat the very best teams unless you can drop back and throw the ball like Patrick Mahomes. It's that kind of mindset. It makes it easier if you have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, nobody would argue that. He's the best player in football, but there's only one of him. So if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you say, how do we win? And, and you go, well, there's a lot of ways that you can win in this sport. You can choose a variety of skill sets and put them under center and build a system around them and win. So taking into account the criticism that Lamar is continually facing, it's very interesting to note how Baltimore beat Kansas City on Sunday night. I've talked about his performance already in multiple shows, so I won't deep dive into it. But we know he made a couple mistakes in the first half, two interceptions, one of them his fault, one of them his receiver slips on a route. He helps Baltimore roar back from an 11-point fourth-quarter deficit. He seals the game on a fourth and one on his own t- on his own 43, I believe, with one minute to go. For the game, he's 18 for 26, 239 yards passing, one touchdown, those two picks I mentioned, 16 carries on the ground, 107 yards rushing, two touchdowns. That last stat line... Let's circle with a bright red pen. 16 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Because as I was watching this, and as Baltimore is storming back from this deficit and seizing control of the game, I just remarked to myself, the most unstoppable thing that is happening in this game, every bit as much as Patrick Mahomes through the air, and he was awesome in his own right. He also made a crippling mistake with his interception that opened the door for Baltimore. The most unstoppable force in this game, Lamar's ability to run the football. Non-traditional way of playing the position. You accentuate that with 239 yards through the air and a lot of high-level passes in that second half. Again, yeah, he made a couple mistakes in that first half. No doubt about it. Quarterbacks make mistakes. Patrick Mahomes in the same game made mistakes. Tom Brady, every game. Aaron Rodgers, every game. These players all make mistakes. This is where I think that quarterback criticism is very bizarre because I always want to understand what the argument is. 
Whenever I talk about people or talk with people, I start there. Oh, Lamar, he's terrible. I go, okay, what are we talking about? Do you think, does anybody think that Lamar Jackson is better than Patrick Mahomes? Let's start there. No, no, nobody does. I, I think everyone agrees Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Yet, it, it, strangely enough, it's also held against Lamar that he is not Patrick Mahomes or that his team hasn't played in two Super Bowls. That's weird because I don't think anyone thinks Lamar Jackson is better than Patrick Mahomes. So we move on to the next question, which is where I will always start the conversation at. As I mentioned earlier, the question that I think every discussion about quarterbacks begins at. In a good situation, can you win a Super Bowl with player X as your quarterback? Even if they haven't done so yet. Even if we haven't seen it. For Lamar, I think that is a, a big hard yes. I think we've seen more than enough to understand that, okay, Lamar plays the position in a non-traditional manner. He's succeeding with it to the tune of a 31-8 and regular season record. Has he won a Super Bowl with it yet? No. Does that mean that the Ravens cannot win with him as their quarterback? Also, no. I'll wrap up the part about Lamar and this criticism and evaluation and the way that we talk about quarterbacks in particular with a quote from Stephen Ruiz of The Ringer. Sunday's win won't make believers out of Lamar's biggest skeptics. They made up their minds a long time ago. But the way in which Baltimore pulled off the come-from-behind victory should validate what the team has been building around its 24-year-old superstar. This win was not proof that the passing game is good enough or that the front office's off-season investment in the receiving core was a success. It was proof that the Lamar-led run game can function with the efficiency and explosiveness of the NFL's most dangerous passing attack. End quote. Again, remember, many, many, many ways to win in the NFL. Baltimore has a vision of what they want to be with Lamar as their quarterback. And I do believe that that is good enough to win a Super Bowl, even if that never ends up happening. We saw on Sunday, like Steven says, Lamar running as the fulcrum of the most explosive running attack in the NFL. It can go toe-to-toe with the NFL's most dangerous passing attack in a passing league. So this is where we shift gears and I bring Baker Mayfield back into this discussion. Because much like Lamar, uh, Baker has a lot of criticism that swirls around him within the NFL. Again, around these similar things. Non-traditional and has not won yet. Some of it has to do with his play. Uh, And some of it has to do with the same question about Lamar. Can you be a drop back passer at the highest, highest, highest possible level? Again, it's strange if you're comparing these people to Patrick Mahomes. Nobody thinks they are. If you're talking about can you win with them and their skill set, that's a different discussion. Much like with Lamar, I think the answer is yes with Baker. A lot of the criticism swirls around Baker's non-traditional emotional temperament, something that the, the old school football types truly hate. They love the... CEO at quarterback and you're calm and you make sure everybody stays in line. That's not Baker. He's not the button down quarterback of the past. He's got swagger. 
He plays the sport with a, a boatload of emotion. It's part of why I think he is so fun to watch. Uh, he's magnetic on the field. He's running around. He's screaming. In college, he's planting the flag at center field against Ohio State and then having to apologize about it after the game. He's going to shake hands with Kansas before a game in college, and he's grabbing his crotch and doing who knows what. Some people hate it. I, I think it's awesome. I like it. It's unique. It's refreshing. And it's in a sport that I love seeing displays of emotion. It is the most emotional sport. When a quarterback is doing that, feed it to me on a silver platter. So his career has been a little bit more topsy-turvy since he came into the league in 2018. But the last year and change, the team has been built around him in a very smart and effective way. And his union with Kevin Stefanski, who was hired as head coach at the start of last season, who is their play caller, that has been a goldmine. Last year, with Stefanski calling plays and Baker under center, the Browns go 11-5. and They win their first playoff game in eons against the Steelers. They take Kansas City down to the wire in Kansas City. Baker, during the season, he throws for over 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, 8 picks, 7.3 yards per attempt. Not jaw-dropping, astounding stats, but in the context of what Cleveland was asking him to do, more than good enough to win. And especially as the scheme and the players started to understand one another as the season wore on, by most advanced metrics, the last half of the season, Baker statistically was in the same conversation as the very best quarterbacks in football. Rodgers, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. So week one of this year, the Browns play the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, I've chosen these two quarterbacks, Baker and Lamar, for a very specific reason. Number one, they came in the league together. Their college careers, they, they brought similar stuff to the table. Non-traditional things. Running, passing, emotion. They've also gone against Patrick Mahomes toe-to-toe week one and week two. And the talking points coming out of each game are very different for each player. There's a little bit of a Lamar celebration going on because simply Baltimore won. And we know for a fact if they had lost that game, the talk about Lamar would have been those two interceptions in the first half. Week one, Baker and the Cleveland Browns lose... The best game of the week to Kansas City. Close, hard fought. Baker's playing great. Patrick Mahomes is playing great. The game essentially kind of comes down to the Cleveland punter not being able to handle a snap in his own territory. Fumbles it, bumbles it, panics, picks it up, tries to run, gets tackled at his own 15. That leads to the game-winning score for the Kansas City Chiefs. The end of the game, Cleveland, they get the ball with limited time. They have a chance to go down. They need a touchdown to win. Baker throws the game-clinching interception. This is where people will come out of the woodwork because we love nothing more than forming an opinion about whether or not you can win with a player based solely upon one play, one drive, win or loss, that kind of stuff. Baker throws the Game-clinching interception. Oh, this is why you can't win with him. Oh my gosh, look, this is a, this guy. You, just, you can't, in situations where you need drop-back passing and the defense knows it's coming, you can't win with Baker Mayfield. He's no Patrick Mahomes. It's obvious. Which, the first part of that, I don't believe to be true. The second part of that, yeah, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Again, nobody would say otherwise. If that is the barometer by which you're measuring other quarterbacks, they will always seem inferior. Is the game-clinching interception a mistake from Baker? Yes. Again, all quarterbacks make mistakes. 
And the way that we evaluate them and criticize them, if their team wins, we choose to forget them. That's usually how it works. Uh, Does anybody care that last year on a Thursday night, Tom Brady literally couldn't remember what down it was, if it was third or fourth against the Chicago Bears, and it cost his team the potential victory? They're driving down the field at the end of the game, final possession, and he thinks it's third down. It's actually fourth down. There's the meme passed around where he's holding up the fingers and we're all laughing going, oh, he's too old. He's got amnesia. He can't even remember what down it is. And then at the end of the year, Tom Brady's laughing and we're all sitting there going, oh, he wasn't old after all. He's just, he'll win for all of time. But again, this is a dude who also makes mistakes. That's the point. So... Baker throws a pick at the end of the game. I read a bunch of articles and listen to a bunch of podcasts where some of the talking points are exactly what I said. Ah, man, when you when you need Baker in the drop back passing game, can you really trust him? Maybe, maybe not. I think you can. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes in the drop back passing game. However, in the situation that the Browns have put him in, do I think Baker can win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. Much like Lamar. What makes this frustrating when it comes to criticism and evaluation is that Baker gets put on blast after this week one game, which was one of the very best quarterback performances of the weekend. In that game, he's 21 for 28 for 321 yards. That is 11.4 yards per attempt. An incredible number. Would lead the league by a wide, wide mark if that was your yards per attempt for a season. And instead, the only thing we want to talk about is that interception rather than the 10 plays I could tell you about that happened during the course of the game where Baker, within the framework of what Stefanski wanted him to do, was making incredible high-level throws downfield to Anthony Schwartz, to David Njoku. By completion percentage against expectation, I believe Baker was the best quarterback in football that week. And yet, because the team didn't win, and because I think a lot of people are turned off by the way that Baker goes about his business, whether play or via emotion, it's time to come out and and throw all these old, stale talking points out there because, yes, Baker didn't win a national title at OU, and yes, he hasn't won the Super Bowl in the NFL, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that that will be true moving forward. So I'll wrap all of this up and ask to people who are listening or who are watching this when you're talking about quarterbacks or arguing about them or evaluating them or criticizing them, identify what it is that you're talking about. You know, there's the one extreme of comparing them to the very best quarterbacks. Is Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes? No. Is Baker Mayfield Patrick Mahomes? No. Not a knock on either one. And then maybe you come to a place where I am at. And you go, all right, let's establish what we are actually talking about. Uh, For me, can you win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson in the situation that he's in with the Ravens or with Baker Mayfield in the situation that he is in with the Browns? Can you win a Super Bowl with either one of these players at quarterback? I would say absolutely. And for me, and hopefully for other people, that are listening to this, when it comes to evaluating and especially criticizing quarterbacks, 
this is the baseline where I will always start. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at CEO.com.